Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Keep the Faith brings you timely messages with in-depth spiritual analysis of current events in light of Bible prophecy so you can prepare for the coming of Jesus. Listen to what the news won't tell you. Here is another important message for our times. This is Pastor Hal Mayer. Dear friends, welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry once again. We are participants in a test of the system of pressure and control, which is maturing the mechanisms that will be used against God's people in the final crisis. I'm glad we have Bible prophecy to forewarn us of what is coming, because otherwise we would be unprepared and scared with much perplexity. When men's hearts will fail them for fear, God's people will be calm and peaceful. For peace that passes understanding is perfect and casts out all fear. Last month we studied seven points of parallel that characterize the management of the vaccine and the Sunday law. Today we're going to explore more parallels and try to comprehend where this is headed. But before we begin, I would like to warn you that time is running out for you to get your life under control of the Holy Spirit. You must build your relationship with Jesus now before it's too late. Also follow his counsel in every area of your life. The final crisis is looming like dark clouds on the horizon that tell us that the storm is coming. So don't delay. Also, please return your yellow card immediately. There isn't much time left before we remove all those from our mailing list who haven't renewed or made a gift in the last year. You don't have to make a gift to renew. We just want to be sure that you still want to receive the CDs. But we appreciate every gift that you give because it helps to spread the word more. Keep the Faith is committed to keeping you informed about our prophetic times and urging you to make a complete surrender to Christ and prepare for the end-time crisis. As we begin, let us pray. Our Father in Heaven, we are in serious times. Our eternal life depends on what we do in a little moment of time, in a crisis. It will depend on a single decision, but we can prepare by making right decisions now and every day to set a pattern of decisions that when the crisis comes, the right decision will be a habit. Please help us to form the right habit of making the right decision, I pray. Please send your Holy Spirit to influence our minds as we study our impressive times. In Jesus' name, amen. Often, whether we stand or fall, revolves around a single fateful decision. And millions make the wrong decision at the crucial moment. What if Daniel had decided to alter his prayer life when threatened with death 
The sentence was carried out, but what was the result? Daniel had practiced that daily prayer life with God for many years. He dared not change his habits just because some jealous colleagues were scheming to get rid of him. They chose the decree to worship only the king because of Daniel's loyalty to God. His time with God was so precious to him that he felt he would lose more than his earthly life if he compromised. That should be the way our time with God should be. And what if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had compromised on the plain of Jura and obeyed the king's worship order? They were thrown into the fiery furnace, but what was the result? These were sterling examples for us to follow, for we will face the same questions. These men didn't hesitate to risk their lives for the sake of their love and loyalty to the God of heaven. And even in Babylon, where there seemed to be no option but to compromise. We must remember that Satan cannot force us to do wrong. He may make it seem like there is no option but there is always a way of escape. For the word of God says in 1 Corinthians 10.13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Here is a statement from Great Controversy, page 510. Christ will give strength to all who seek it. No man without his own consent can be overcome by Satan. The tempter has no power to control the will or to force the soul to sin. He may distress, but he cannot contaminate. He can cause agony, but not defilement. The fact that Christ was, has conquered should inspire his followers with courage to fight manfully the battle against sin and Satan. So you can expect the pressure to increase. But if you endure to the end, there is a crown of life waiting for you. I believe that the pressure to vaccinate is similar to the pressure to worship on Sunday when a law is enacted in the land to coerce your conscience. Vaccination may be a conscience issue, and the Sunday law certainly is. The powers that be are wanting to take away your freedom to choose according to your conscience and force or coerce as many people as possible to vaccinate. There is no conflict with your conscience and if you choose to vaccinate. But there may be a, and ultimately will be, conflicts with your conscience if you choose not to vaccinate. The law and decrees will get tighter and tighter, with increasingly deeper consequences to your personal life. The pressure will increase to the point where those who choose not to vaccinate will be unable to live a normal life. In fact, similar to the Sunday Law, there is a cabal of world leaders, presidents, chancellors, dictators, 
along with the Pope and the Catholic Church, that are conspiring together to remove your personal liberties and freedoms. They are doing all in their power to accomplish this goal. It is called the Great Reset. And it's great because it is a world adjustment of freedoms and liberties. It's not fair, it's not right, but it is happening nevertheless. They are working for the enemy of souls, and they want to force things upon you against your will. And there is nothing you can do about it. Protesting won't change it. Suing someone like those governors are doing won't change it. You only have you. You will have to decide whether you are going along with the decrees or or whether you are not and suffer the consequences of your choice. And you have to count the cost. One choice may result in the loss of your family and friends. You may also lose your job and your means of earning a livelihood if you make that choice. The other choice is the easy way. You see, my friends, we will be tested, and the vaccination test will be implemented. But it is a mild test compared to the Sunny Law test. But it is a test, and I propose that the decision you make now will set the stage for what you will decide concerning the ultimate Sunday Law test. Daniel faced a health test before his worship test. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the health test with him before their worship test. The whole world is in a health crisis. Could the vaccine be a conscience test like those men of renown faced in their day concerning health? It has similarities, but it is not as severe. Now Jesus' true followers will be tested. I suggest that we are going to experience the health test now, not at some future date. But it also means that the Sunday Law test will come very soon, perhaps on its heels. Your choice now will prepare you for the choice you make then. I used to say that the vaccine is not the mark of the beast, and it still isn't. We have a health message, and we are going to be tested on our lifestyles. Could we be in that time? Jesus also faced two health tests, one in the wilderness of temptation when his enemy tempted him when he was really hungry. The other test was on the cross when they gave him vinegar to drink. The vinegar would cloud his mind so he couldn't think clearly. One of the known side effects of the vaccine is a foggy mind. It is sometimes so bad that it is, it is debilitating. I know of people who have struggled with this for months, and right after taking the vaccine, and they can't think clearly. Listen to this from Evangelism, page 18. The words of Jesus are spoken to us living down here at the close of earth's history. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up, and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. The nations are in unrest. 
Times of perplexity are upon us. The waves of the sea are roaring. Men's hearts are failing them for fear and for expectation of those things that are coming upon the earth. But those who believe on the Son of God will hear his voice amid the storm, saying, It is I. Be not afraid. We see the world lying in wickedness and apostasy. Rebellion to the commandments of God seems almost universal. Amid the tumult of excitement, with confusion in every place, there is a work to be done in the world. If you are not prepared to be self-sufficient in your soul, as well as your body, as I have said in various words many times over the years, you will give in to the pressure in order to survive. Years ago, you should have been like Lot and escaped the cities, and if you are still there and can, leave them now. Look not behind thee. There is relative freedom in the country. If you are sincerely praying and doing what you can about it, the Lord has not forgotten you. He will give you a way of escape. Listen to this statement from Country Living, page 9. The time is fast coming when the controlling power of labor unions will be very oppressive. Again and again, the Lord has instructed that our people are to take their families away from the cities into the, into the country where they can raise their own provisions for in the future the problem of buying and selling will be a very serious one. And we should now begin to heed the instruction given us over and over again. Get out of the cities into rural districts where the houses are not crowded closely together and where you will be free from the interference of enemies. Friends, city living is dangerous for your body and soul. The problem of buying and selling won't just be re related to the Sunday law. There could be shortages, riots, the breakdown of law and order. Please get out of the cities. They are death traps. So here we go. Number eight. We have had long debates about vaccine mandates and freedom. There will be long debates about Sunday laws and freedom too. Listen to this from Great Controversy, page 605. Heretofore, those who have presented the truths of the third angel's message will have been regarded as mere alarmists. Their predictions that religious intolerance would gain control of the United States, that church and state would unite to persecute those who keep the commandments of God, have been pronounced as groundless and absurd. It has been confidently declared that this land could never become other than what it has been, the defender of religious freedom. But as the question of enforcing Sunday observance is widely agitated, the event so long doubted and disbelieved is seen to be approaching. And the third message will produce an effect which it could not have had before. When something is widely agitated, that means it is being debated. 
This will be a time when God's people who stand for the Sabbath can influence the minds of those who are seeking for light. Here is a statement from Review and Herald, March 9, 1911. In our work, we are to watch for special opportunities to do effective labor. When the minds of the people are agitated regarding Sunday laws, then is an opportune time to enlighten them concerning the principles involved. We are to teach a positive way the binding claims of God's law, rather than to attack or denounce men, some of whom may be acting conscientiously and possibly are susceptible to the truth if it is presented in a winning way. So mandating obedience to the Sunday law is like mandating obedience to vaccine decrees. President Biden, who is part of the cabal of globalists trying to take away your liberty, declared that businesses with over 100 employees must have a vaccine mandate for their employees, which involves termination for non-compliance. He also decreed a vaccine mandate for federal workers and contractors. And lastly, he mandated the vaccine for those health workers whose companies accept Medicare and Medicaid. Number nine. Friends, every earthly support will be taken away from God's people during the Sunday law crisis. And now there are laws requiring workers all of them in some countries, and most of them in America and some other developed nations. Does this remind you of a statement in Desire of Ages, page 121, that says, In the last great conflict of the controversy with Satan, those who are loyal to God will see every earthly support cut off because they refuse to break his law in obedience to earthly powers. They will be forbidden to buy or sell, and it will finally be decreed that they shall be put to death. The vaccination mandate hasn't gone that far, but it is certainly cutting off earthly support, a lot of it. The vaccine passport is individualized lockdown, or a personal lockout. Those who can't show proof of vaccination on their digital passports can't go to, the, to most places or even to work. Take Italy, for example. It had the most draconian rules in Europe. It announced that workers will be required to show proof of vaccination or have a negative test, which can get expensive, or recovery from COVID in order to work. The green passport is mandatory for all public and private sector workers. Failure to have a green passport results in workers being suspended and losing their pay. Italy has already seen some 700 doctors suspended without pay as well as other health care workers. President Macron of France, who is part of the cabal, seeking to take away French citizens' liberties, has a law that requires 
proof of vaccination for entry into bars, restaurants, and gyms, and museums, as well as for all healthcare workers to keep their jobs. While there has been a massive uptake in vaccinations, recently 3,000 health care workers, with 450 from just one hospital in Nice, were suspended across France because they were non-compliant with the law. This cuts off their earthly support to a significant degree. In Germany, Belgium, Denmark, Greece, Spain, Portugal, Austria, and Ireland. The plan is to enact similar laws to France. Tenth, Tedros Ghebreyesus, the director of the World Health Organization, recently said there is no going back to the old normal. It's completely understandable that people want to get on with their lives, but we are not going back to the old normal. What he means, of course, is not entirely clear, but we can be sure that our freedoms are not going back to the way they were. That's for the unvaccinated and the vaccinated. Though for the unvaccinated, the new normal life will be much more difficult. Those who do not comply with the Sunday law will also not have a normal life. They will be treated in similar ways to the unvaccinated. Eleventh, and this is a more lengthy one, the great reset that the globalists have been talking about and that is happening in the economy right now, and for that matter politically too, is also happening to religious faith. Pope Francis himself called for a new world order after the pandemic. In his new book called God and the World to Come, the Antichrist says that after the coronavirus pandemic, no one today can afford to rest easy. The world will never be the same again. But it is precisely within this calamity that we must grasp those signs which may prove to be the cornerstones of reconstruction. What signs is he talking about? Rest assured he's not talking about the signs of the times as we know them. He sees the signs that indicate the rise of the Roman Catholic Church to power with an agenda to take over influential control of the world. And reconstruction means the changes required to make the world in the image of the feudal system of the Middle Ages, a dependent populace and a controlling government united with a dominating church that can enforce Sunday laws for which she has so patiently worked to reestablish for so long. He continues, we can heal injustice by building a new world order based on solidarity, which means brotherhood, studying innovative methods to eradicate bullying and poverty and corruption, all working together, each for their own part, without delegating or passing the buck. For the Pope, this new world order will be based on eradicating inequalities by wealth redistribution and attending to the environment. 
We can no longer blithely accept inequalities and disruption to the environment, he said. The path to humanity's salvation passes through the creation of a new model of development, which unquestionably focuses on coexistence among peoples in harmony with creation. If we don't roll up our sleeves and immediately take care of the earth, with radical personal and political choices, with an economic green turn, by directing technological developments in this direction, sooner or later our common home will throw us out the window. Salvation? The Bible says that humanity's salvation is dependent on Christ, not the environment or care for it. This is nature worship, as I pointed out last month. Against this planetary discord that is nipping the future of humanity in the bud, we need political action that is the fruit of international harmony, he declares, urging for an end to support short-sighted nationalism and other forms of political selfishness in favor of multilateral solutions. What is international harmony? The Pope is tying it all together so an important prophecy can be unwittingly fulfilled. He is calling for the world to come together and be of the same mind. He is actually giving a strong appeal to world governments to let him lead the nations onward. Revelation 17.13 explains this in a few succinct words. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Revelation 17.13 The Pope has also called for Sunday laws as an evidence of solidarity and brotherhood or one-mindedness. And just like with the pandemic, he and his evangelical friends will use every argument available to dupe the people into accepting the Sunday law as the panacea for the ills of mankind. Twelfth, the unvaccinated are being accused of endangering the vaccinated. This is especially troubling because one wonders how that could be. But the excuse is being made that new variants like the Delta variant can break through vaccine defenses. So unvaccinated spreaders are dangerous because they can carry the Delta variant and spread it to the vaccinated. What this means to me is that the vaccines don't work. They are not designed to work that way. They will not eradicate COVID as if it was like the polio or smallpox. The mRNA vaccines change the way the body functions genetically, not by directly dealing with the virus. So it is a different agent, a more dangerous agent. The long-term effects of these COVID vaccines are unknown, yet we are just expected to accept the advice and demands of those in league with the enemy. The enemy knows that the evidence is damning, 
So the whole world is being frightened into taking the vaccine before they find out the truth. That's why the urgency, in my opinion. So, currently, the unvaccinated are being blamed for new variants that arise, and the pressure is rising. Similar to the unvaccinated, Sabbath keepers will be falsely blamed for calamities that come upon Sunday keepers, just like the unvaccinated are being blamed and shamed. Thirteenth, many colleges and universities mandated that all students and staff get vaccinated before they come back to class. This, of course, is a violation of their rights. Especially will it abridge the religious liberty rights of students and staff who have religious objections to the vaccine. The enemy wants to remove the God-given rights of all people, especially religious freedom. He hates God-given rights. Those few who cling to them he will persecute and destroy if they are not protected by God. Fourteenth, now we face government mandates around the world. People have been bribed to get the vaccines, and some are being treated with the loss of a job. Some who object are being treated with fines. Things will get worse, and when the nations are stirred to enact Sunday laws, conscientious objectors will again be treated similarly. Reading the whole scenario from Great Controversy, 607, we can see that the vaccine is really about preparing the world, especially as many of God's remnant people as possible to easily accept Sunday laws. And there is a large percentage of church members who are superficial and will not fall for it lock, stock, and barrel. As the controversy extends into new fields and the minds of the people are called to God's downtrodden law, Satan is astir. The power attending the message will only madden those who oppose it. The clergy will put forth almost superhuman efforts to shut away the light, lest it should shine upon their flocks. By every means at their command, they will endeavor to suppress the discussion of these vital questions. The church appeals to the strong arm of civil power, and in this work, papists and Protestants unite. As the movement for Sunday enforcement becomes more bold and decided, the law will be invoked against commandment keepers. They will be threatened with fines and imprisonment, and some will be offered positions of influence and other rewards and advantages or bribes as inducements to renounce their faith. But their steadfast answer is, Show us from the word of God our error. The same plea that was made by Luther under similar circumstances. Fifteenth, the Sunday law will mirror the implementation of the vaccines. People with conscientious objections to the vaccine 
are already being treated as the cause of new variants to COVID. They are being isolated and marginalized. Bribes of beer, donuts, lottery tickets haven't convinced them to come over and get the jabs. So other measures with more severe consequences are being tried, like threatening to take away your job. This is similar to the way Sabbath keepers will be treated. If the enemy cannot get you to comply by fear, he will lock you down by directives of government officials. He will have the support of the, a frightened population so that they will demand laws to deal with the small minority that refuse to go along, go along with the vaccination laws. It is the same with the coming Sunday worship laws. Listen to this from Great Controversy, page 592. Those who honor the Bible Sabbath will be denounced as enemies of law and order, as bringing, breaking down the moral restraints of society, causing anarchy and corruption, and calling down the judgments of God upon the earth. Their conscientious scruples will be pronounced as obstinacy, stubbornness, and, the, and contempt of authority. They will be accused of disaffection toward the government. Ministers who deny the obligation of the divine law will present from the pulpit the duty of yielding obedience to the civil authorities as ordained of God. In legislative halls and courts of justice, commandment keepers will be misrepresented and condemned. A false coloring will be given to their words. The worst construction will be put upon their motives. It will be urged that the few who stand in opposition to an institution of the church and a law of the state ought not to be tolerated, that it is better for them to suffer than for, the whole, for whole nations to be thrown into confusion and lawlessness. The same argument many centuries ago was brought against Christ by the rulers of the people. It is expedient for us, said the wily Caiaphas, that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. This argument will appear conclusive, and a decree will finally be issued against those who hallow the Sabbath of the Fourth Commandment, denouncing them as deserving of the severest punishment and giving the people liberty, after a certain time, to put them to death. Romanism in the Old World and apostate Protestantism in the New will pursue a similar course toward those who honor all the divine precepts. Sixteenth, famous pastors and churches support the vaccine. Robert Jeffress, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, said he and his staff are neither offering nor encouraging members to seek religious exemptions from the vaccine mandates, and that there is no credible religious argument against the vaccines. Well, there is, if you see the issues in the Great Controversy. 
The Roman Catholic Archdiocese of New York said that any priest issuing an exemption letter would be acting in contradiction to statements from Pope Francis that receiving the vaccine is morally acceptable and responsible. Friends, with religious leaders, especially evangelicals and Catholic leaders, working together to push the vaccines, there are limited options for people with convictions against taking them. They are circling the wagons, pulling tighter and tighter. In the United States, a pastoral letter only somewhat bolsters your argument that you have a religious objection. It doesn't really give you any guarantees that an employer will make an accommodation for you. Other countries are even more dismissive of personal convictions with some ignoring them altogether. The tragedy is that even the remnant church is compliant and complicit with the government regulations with many leaders and pastors urging members to get vaccinated. They also attempt to cancel anything that supports an alternative narrative, and most damaging, actually adopting a policy of support for the government regulations regarding the vaccine. When a local church does something not in harmony with the dominant narrative of the government, that church is pressured to stop what they are planning. For instance, Beacon Light Tabernacle in Wippinger Falls, New York, in the Northeastern Regional Conference, was planning to hold a Zoom meeting on July 31 entitled Right to Choose to discuss the vaccinations. On Friday, the 30th of July, the day before the event, the pastor canceled the Zoom conference, saying that the that his conference president had in, contacted him and told him that this Zoom meeting doesn't reflect the position of the Northeastern Regional Conference and that the General Conference supports the vaccinations. As a result... The meeting was sponsored by another church in a different conference whose pastor had a lot more backbone. This begs the question, does the remnant church believe in liberty of conscience, or does it suppress attempts to defend it? In the village church at Berrien Springs, Michigan, recently, they held a symposium on the COVID vaccine and the implications of vaccine mandates on religious liberty. The symposium was called COVID, Coercion, and Conscience. Lake Union personnel were apparently assigned to try and dissuade it from holding the symposium. Thank God they didn't succeed. Also, one Andrews University professor who was scheduled to participate was told by Yishi Muscala, the dean of the seminary, that his job was on the line if he did. This sermon was completed before we know what happened. But it's more than that. The Lake Union Herald stated 
that it is appropriate for those conscientious individuals who remain unvaccinated to have their travel, employment, and participation in society restricted. Nick Miller wrote, I'm not arguing for mandatory vaccination, but I'm saying that your choice not to be vaccinated will appropriately come with limitations on community participation, work, and travel. That's support for coercion. When the Sunday law comes, will Nick and the Lake Union side with those who advocate that compliance with the government policy? Will they be part of the engine that tries to force something unthinkable upon those who believe in the three angels' messages and liberty of conscience? Just in case you're wondering... Historically, the church has almost always complied with government requirements, even at the expense of the Ten Commandments. I say almost always, not because I can think of an instant where the church organization has stood faithful in opposition to the government, but because there may be a remote instance of which I am not aware. Compromise and support for government policy happened in Germany during World War I and World War II, for instance. Believers were discriminated against and persecuted for refusing to bear arms, refusing to work or send their children to school on the Sabbath, and some were being imprisoned and even executed for their conscientious objection to bearing arms in the military. Persecution by church leaders was endured by the conscientious individuals in at least Germany, Austria, Russia, South Korea, and Hungary, and there were probably others. In another flagrant violation of trust, the South German Conference recently apologized for disfellowshipping members of Jewish descent during the Holocaust six years after the war. After all those that participated in that horrible persecution were dead. Some apology. Will they do the same in the future? We are warned that our worst enemies will be our former brethren and members of our own household. That can be referring to either those of your immediate family or those of your church family. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 10.36. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. And now this from Testimonies to, to the, for the Church, Volume 5, page 463. The work which the church has failed to do in time of peace and prosperity, she will have to do in a terrible crisis under most discouraging, forbidding circumstances. The warnings that worldly conformity has silenced or withheld must be given under the fiercest opposition from enemies of the faith.
And at that time, the superficial conservative class, whose influence has steadily retarded the progress of the work, will renounce the faith and ha- and take their stand with its avowed enemies toward their, whom their sympathies have been long tending. These apostates will then manifest the most bitter enmity, doing all in their power to oppress and malign their brethren, and to excite indignation against them. This day is just before us. The members of the church will individually be tested and proved. They will be placed in circumstances where they will be forced to bear witness for the truth. Many will be called to speak before councils in courts of justice, perhaps separately and alone. The experience which would have helped them in this emergency they have neglected to obtain, and their souls are burdened with remorse for wasted opportunities and neglected privileges. Oh, friends, we need to learn quickly to have a deeper and unshakable faith in Christ. We will have to face enemies that we don't understand. How can our friends turn against us? I've experienced this very pointedly and can tell you that it is very, very hard. But somehow we have to get used to it. We will have to endure it. Vaccine mandates are here. What will happen to those with religious objections? The Deseret Times published an article which pointed out that the Supreme Court has made a ruling that makes it easier to challenge the vaccine mandates in court. But it also mentioned that many religious leaders, churches, and denominations support the vaccine mandates. This court ruling is one of the last gasping attempts at maintaining a modicum of religious liberty. Listen to this from Maranatha, page 204. An apostate church will unite with the powers of earth and hell to place upon the forehead or in the hand the mark of the beast and prevail upon the children of God to worship the beast in his image. They will seek to compel them to renounce their allegiance to God's law and yield homage to the papacy. Then will come the times which will try men's souls, for the confederacy of apostasy will demand that the loyal subject of God shall renounce the law of Jehovah and repudiate the truth of his word. Then will the gold be separated from the dross, and it will be made apparent who are the godly and who are the loyal and true, and who are the disloyal, the dross and the tinsel. What clouds of chaff will then be borne away by the fan of God? Where now our eyes can discover only rich floors of wheat will be chaff blown away with the fan of God. 
Everyone who is not centered in Christ will fail to stand the test and ordeal of that day. While those who are clothed with Christ's righteousness will stand firm to truth and duty, those who have trusted in their own righteousness will be ranged under the black banner of the Prince of Darkness. Then it will be seen whether the choice is for Christ or Belial. Seventeenth, Victoria, Australia has required its construction industry to show proof of vaccination for employment as part of its draconian restrictions. There were violent clashes outside the union headquarters where the police used rubber bullets to quell the riot. Victoria went further and shut down its building industry for two weeks. Other violent riots followed. Is it likely that authorities will do the same to religious institutions when the Sunday law is enacted, shutting them down? Religious hospitals, educational institutions, and other organizations and ministries will be pressured to compromise or lose funding. What do you think leaders of these institutions are going to do? Will they not comply? Will they be part of the juggernaut that crushes out human liberty? It is the mission of an administrator to preserve the institution at all costs. It takes a rare individual and a very unique board of directors to stand against that pressure. They have compromised for so long and we have taken so much government money year after year that it will be very hard to change much as they would like to. So what are you going to do? The time is near. Perhaps it is even now time to start an underground church, something that has been done through every such crisis in the past. Even today there is in some places underground churches where persecution exists. But even in North America, Australia, Europe, and Japan, there is a nucleus of the underground church which has been around for a long time. They have already experienced cancel culture long ago. Some have been spied on, accused of siphoning off members, and generally falsely dismissed as anti-church or anti-conference. They are self-supporting and operate completely free of any conference control. They operate without the organizational constraints that are found within the official organization. They have been looked upon as rogue offshoots, but they are free. I won't say that they don't have some problems, and sadly some of them have false doctrines, but many are uniquely positioned to pioneer the underground church in these places. The less official they are, and the less laterally connected they are, the better. 
they will become the spiritual resistance to the organized and conspiratorial effort that seeks to destroy liberty. Friends, we're there. It is only a matter of time till Sunday laws are enacted on some pretext. The legal and social structures are now being constructed. May God help those who are not ready to get ready quickly. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we are sobered by the way in which the enemy is working. Please help us to be ready for almost the almost overwhelming surprise. Mature our faith quickly. Help us to see opportunities to win others to the three angels' messages. Lord, please make us faithful to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been greatly blessed by this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. Don't forget to send in your yellow renewal card as soon as possible. The song you have just heard is called How Cheering is a Christian's Hope, sung by the Three Angels Chorale from Heartland College. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called On Our Journey Home. If you would like to have a copy of the CD, just send $16 postpaid to U.S. addresses to cover the cost, and we will send you one. Please mention the On Our Journey Home CD. Other international listeners should send $20 USD. The following is our prophetic intelligence briefing, a feature that brings you current events in light of Bible prophecy, especially for those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We can see the signs of the times telling us that we are nearing the world's great crisis and the coming of the Lord. May the Lord find us faithful. Our first item this month Gay teacher wins lawsuit against North Carolina Catholic Diocese after fired. 
A former teacher won a lawsuit against Charlotte Catholic High School and the Roman Catholic Diocese of Charlotte on Friday after he lost his job following an announcement on Facebook that he planned to marry his longtime partner, who is also a man. In the ruling, a district judge said the school and the diocese violated workplace sex discrimination laws in firing Lonnie Billard, a former drama and English teacher. The case now moves to a trial to determine how Billard will be compensated. Court documents reveal Diocese Communications Director David Haynes said Billard was fired for marrying a man and publicly stating on Facebook that he disagrees with the Catholic Church's teachings. The LGBTQ movement is surrounding the legal house we live in. Quote, Before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round both old and young, all the people from every quarter. Genesis 19.4 Next, ex-Cardinal Theodore McCarrick charged with sexually assaulting teenage boy in 1970s. Former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick has been charged with the alleged sexual assault of a teenage boy in Massachusetts. The first criminal charge to be brought against the prelate since he was accused years ago of abusing seminary students in New Jersey making him the highest-ranking church official to face such charges. Court records show that McCarrick was charged with three counts of indecent assault and battery on a person 14 years old or older, all related to incidents at a wedding in June 1974 in Wellesley, Massachusetts. A criminal complaint says the accuser was 16 at the time and was later abused at other locations in Massachusetts and in other states, including New Jersey. The charges were filed on Wednesday in Dedham District Court by the Wesley Police Department. The criminal charges were first reported by the Boston Globe. McCarrick, 91, was among the most powerful officials in the Catholic Church for decades until he was removed from ministry in 2018, when the church deemed an allegation of child sexual abuse against him to be credible. He was defrocked a year later amid accusations that he abused children and adult seminary students. He has been sued by several men in New York and New Jersey, who say he abused them as children. But for the most part, the statute of limitations has barred authorities from pursuing criminal charges. Under Massachusetts law, the statute of limitations would have been suspended when McCarrick who worked in the New York Archdiocese at the time, left the state after the wedding. Mitchell Garabedian, the attorney who represents the accuser, said he could not discuss the case because of the pending criminal charges. He said he has not brought a civil suit in this case. Court records say Garabedian had contacted authorities with the allegations leading to an investigation that began in January. The attorney noted in a statement that this is the first time a cardinal has been criminally charged with abusing a minor in the United States, adding that, quote, it takes an enormous amount of courage for a sexual abuse victim to report having been sexually abused to investigators and proceed through the criminal process. McCarrick's attorney, Barry Coburn, issued a brief statement in response to the charges saying, quote, we will look forward to addressing this case in the courtroom.
McCarrick was the Bishop of Metuchen in the 1980s and the Archbishop of Newark from 1987 to 2000 when he was promoted to be head of the Washington, D.C. Archdiocese. Even as Pope John Paul II looked into allegations that McCarrick had been abusing adult seminary students at a New Jersey Shore home for many years. A Vatican report issued last year said several New Jersey bishops lied in letters to the Pope about what they knew about sex abuse allegations against McCarrick, helping pave the way for his promotion to be approved. McCarrick is accused of abusing children in several pending lawsuits that were filed in New Jersey under a law that suspended the civil statute of limitations on sex abuse complaints for two years, starting December 1, 2019. Court papers show that McCarrick is living at the St. John Vianney Renewal Center in Dittmer, Missouri, a home for clerics who have committed sexual abuse and other troubled priests. Missouri records show that eight registered sex offenders, including two from New York, live at that address. It was also home for a time to a former Delberton school priest, Timothy Brennan, who died almost two years ago and has been accused of abuse in numerous lawsuits. Quote, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Revelation 18, verse 2. Next, Diocese, Forli Bertinoro, tomorrow meeting in Piev Aqueducto for the Day of Creation. On the occasion of the 16th National Day for the Custody of Creation on the theme, Walking in a New Life, the Ecological Transition for the Care of Life, the Diocese of Forli Bertinoro proposes for tomorrow, Saturday 4th, September, an event that will take place at the parish of Piev Aqueducto. From 5 p.m., the meeting for a true ecological transition, conversion in families and parishes, will take place organized by Social Pastoral Caritas Migrantes Service and Missionary Office with testimonies and reflections of associations, movements, businesses, parish groups, religious communities, exponents of other faiths who in recent years have been involved in various ways on the theme of the environment with the presence also of the Orthodox, Adventist, and Muslim communities. The event which will take place in compliance with anti-COVID regulations and which can be accessed by showing the Green Pass will be broadcast live on the diocese YouTube channel. It will also be possible to visit the exhibition La Dauto Si, itinerary on the encyclical of Pope Francis, which can also be set up in parishes. On Sunday, the 5th of September, the day will be celebrated during the festive masses. Will Adventists yield to a Sunday law too? Quote, Romanism is now regarded by Protestants with far greater favor than in former years. In those countries where Catholicism is not in the ascendancy, and the Papists are taking a conciliatory course in order to gain influence, there is an increasing indifference concerning the doctrines that separate the Reformed churches from the Papal hierarchy. The opinion is gaining ground that, after all, we do not differ so widely upon vital points as has been supposed, 
and that a little concession on our part will bring us into a better understanding with Rome. The time was when Protestants placed a high value upon the liberty of conscience which had been so dearly purchased. They taught their children to abhor popery and held that to seek harmony with Rome would be disloyalty to God. But how widely different are the sentiments now expressed? Great Controversy, page 563. Next, the remnants of Ida to spread life-threatening flooding rain threat into New England. In Louisiana, small signs of progress. Lights came on in parts of New Orleans and some stores have opened their doors, but nearly a million people in the state are still in the dark and residents are now scrambling for basics like food, gas, water and relief from the oppressive heat. Some cooling sites have been set up where people can get meals and sit in air conditioning. But officials say more than 600,000 people lack running water, and in hard-hit La Plaza, areas are still submerged. Volunteers were seen helping people rescued from floodwaters off a military truck. As crews reach more places, the true scope of disaster is coming to light. One private firm estimates the total damage from Ida could top $50 billion. The storm has been blamed for at least six deaths. Quote, Calamities will come, calamities most awful, most unexpected, and these destructions will follow one after another. If there will be a heeding of the warnings that God has given, and if churches will repent, returning their allegiance, then other cities may be spared for a time. But if men who have been deceived continue in the same way in which they have been walking, disregarding the law of God and presenting falsehoods before the people, God allows them to suffer calamity, that their senses may be awakened. Country Living, page 7. Next, largest U.S. food distributor having trouble keeping shelves stocked. Price shock imminent. One of the defining features of the early phases of the COVID pandemic, when public fear was rampant and when few wanted to take chances that supply chains would remain viable, is that for a brief period, U.S. supermarkets resembled those of the USSR, circa the late 1980s. Many items were in short supply and some, notably toilet paper, Clorox, and perishables such as milk, were out of stock for weeks. Fast forward to today, when fears about the Delta strain are being fanned by the liberal media, the U.S. may be facing a similar shortage of key products, only this time for a very different reason, not a surge in demand, but rather a drop in supply. According to Bloomberg, some of the largest U.S. food distributors are reporting difficulties in fulfilling orders as a lack of workers weighs on the supply chain. Take distribution giant Cisco, North America's largest wholesale food distributor, which is turning away customers in some areas where demand is exceeding capacity. Worse, food inflation is about to soar. The company said prices for key goods such as chicken, pork, and paper products for takeout packaging are climbing amid tight supplies. In particular, Production has slowed for high-demand, labor-intensive cuts like bacon, ribs, wings, and tenders, Cisco said, 
And if intermediate and final wholesale prices are rising, just wait until they emerge on the consumer side. The culprit for the coming price shock, Biden's catastrophic stimmies and universal basic income, which has unleashed havoc on the U.S. job market and led to historic labor shortages. Quote, there are certain areas across the country that are more challenged by the labor shortage and our volume of orders is regularly exceeding our capacity. Cisco Chief Executive Officer Kevin O'Rican said in a letter to clients earlier this month, This has, unfortunately, led to service disruptions for some of our customers. O'Rican's troubling observations were confirmed by an analysis from DECA data, which tracks retailer transactions with shoppers and manufacturers. It showed that retailers are bumping up against manufacturer capacity as they stockpile ahead of the holiday season. In July, the incidence of suppliers limiting or putting a cap on orders from customers was more than double what it was in January, its data show. Another major distributor, United Natural Foods, is having trouble getting food to stores on time. The company blamed not just labor shortages, but also delays in the procurement of some imported goods like cheese, coconut water, and spices as causing the problems. Quote, we anticipate additional supplier challenges in the short term with gradual improvement through the fall and winter, a United Natural Foods representative said. The company's top priority is to support customers by working diligently to recover and bring their shelves back to normal inventory levels as quickly as possible. Translation, it's about to get bad as the double whammy of insufficient workers and snarled supply chains lead to shortages of key perishables and logically much higher prices. U.S. companies across industries are reporting a dearth of workers amid sweetened unemployment benefits stimulus payments, and a pandemic that has reduced the appeal of in-person employment. Houston-based Cisco is aggressively hiring warehouse workers and truck drivers and offering referral and sign-on bonuses along with the retention money for current staff. The entire food sector is seeing, quote, massive labor shortages. Benjamin Walker, Senior Vice President of Sales, Marketing, and Merchandising at Balder Specialty Foods, told Bloomberg, quote, service levels are the lowest I've seen in my 16-year career, and it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. Finding truck drivers is next to impossible, he said, while freight costs are rising daily. The company's orders are arriving late and consequently facing delays in being sent to customers. On the outbound side, on-time deliveries are still above 50%, but have fallen from the usual rate of more than 90%. Quote, we all thought it would be over by now. It's just one thing after another, he said. This is going to be the norm for a while. Do you think famine can't come to Western countries? Think again. Quote, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Matthew 24, 7. Next, Chinese authorities paying citizens to spy on neighbors report illegal Christian activities. China's communist regime has ordered citizens in the country's northeastern region to spy on Christians and report any, quote, illegal religious activities, including preaching 
and religious house gatherings. Informants will be rewarded with $150 for each tip, according to a report. The administration of the Malaysi Dar district in Heilongjiang province, Kikihar City, released a document titled, quote, The Reward System for Reporting Illegal Religious Activities Offenses, saying informants would be paid up to 1,000 yuan, $150, China Christian Daily reported. Officials, it says, are looking for any information through a phone call, email, or letter on unqualified religious personnel, unauthorized trans-religion activities, preaching and distribution of printed religious literature, audiovisual products outside places of worship, unauthorized donations, or private house gatherings. The objective, it adds, is to strengthen the control of illegal religious activities in the district prevent any COVID-19 cluster resulting from religious gatherings, mobilize the public to engage in preventing, suppressing illegal religious activities, and ensure a harmonious and stable religious landscape. The document was released this month by the Malaysi Dar District United Front Work Department of Kikihar. Similar reward systems were later introduced in Saibo cities, Bashan District, and Wahai cities, Shandong area. Previously, such rewards have been offered in Fuyan, Zhuangji, Henan, Haibi, and Liaoning. Quote, While they do not specify which religion they are targeting, it is self-evident that house churches are being suppressed, the U.S.-based persecution watchdog International Christian Concern commented. Open Doors USA, which monitors persecution in over 60 countries, estimates that there are about 97 million Christians in China, a large percentage of whom worship in what China considers to be illegal and unregistered underground house churches. According to recently released reports, religious persecution in China intensified in 2020 with thousands of Christians affected by church closures and other human rights abuses. Under the direction of President Xi Jinping, officials from the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, have been enforcing strict controls on religion, according to a report released in March by the U.S.-based group China Aid. Authorities in China are also cracking down on Christianity by removing Bible apps and Christian WeChat public accounts as new highly restrictive administrative measures on religious staff went into effect this year. China is ranked on Open Doors USA's World Watch list as one of the worst countries in the world when it comes to persecution of Christians. The U.S. State Department has also labeled China as a country of particular concern for continuing to engage in particularly severe violations of religious freedom. Could these same repressive measures be an example to Western countries when they need to adopt them for repression and persecution of those who do not comply with religious laws? These are laws against Christians in general, mainly. Western countries have limited Christian worship generally, too, while leaving casinos open and other secular venues revealing discrimination against Christianity. But these more intense repressive measures will be targeted to a much narrower subset of Christians who keep God's law. 
Spying and snitching has already been encouraged by New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio on neighbors and friends allegedly to stem the spread of COVID. Once people are to it, even friends and relatives will or can become enemies and spies. There will be no loyalty toward the faithful witnesses for God. Quote, As the storm approaches, a large class who have professed faith in the third angel's message, but have not been sanctified through obedience to the truth, abandon their position and join the ranks of the opposition. By uniting with the world and partaking of its spirit, they have come to view matters in nearly the same light, and when the test is brought, they are prepared to choose the easy, popular side. Men of talent and pleasing address, who once rejoiced in the truth, employ their powers to deceive and mislead souls. They become the most bitter enemies of their former brethren. When Sabbath keepers are brought before the courts to answer for their faith, these apostates are the most efficient agents of Satan to misrepresent and accuse them, and by false reports and insinuations to stir up the rulers against them. Great Controversy, page 608. Unfortunately, our time is up. Remember, there are more prophetic intelligence briefings on our website at ktfnews.com. It's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you. I hope you have been encouraged to live for Jesus, for we are near the end. Remember that God has a plan for your life and that right now you can make a new start with Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and support. And until next time, may God bless and keep you and your family in His loving and protecting care. Keep the faith.